1: Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere in the borders of Romania. And we're actually right outside the border of Ukraine when um, uh, everybody's saying that uh, Putin was supposed to invade today. I'm actually doing this on Monday, February 21st. I don't know when you're listening to this podcast. But I'm sitting here with a friend that has really been... A, a, a pretty cool person to know in the in the last year how long Something have like I, I? yeah I think I've known you for like a little over a year or somewhere around through there um, her name is Kate we've been working together uh, on doing business as mission as well as she's attended our hackers conference and um, Kate it's good to have you Thanks for joining us. We're actually it's sitting inside of here. a restaurant. So if you hear some banging of dishes or us answering a waiter from time to time, we have an extra hour, her and I, that we didn't actually plan on this podcast, but we're waiting on somebody who didn't show up on time this morning. I <laughs> Maybe they'll anticip- hear the podcast later. I, I anticipated <laughs> him not being on time for this afternoon. Uh, but yeah, um, one of the things that we had talked Thank about, you. which is a very big need right now, is for Christians to be a little bit on guard for the way that the world is going when it comes to um, the platforms that we're using for communication and almost everything else. So almost everything that we do today when it comes to banking, commerce, job, work, communication, photo storage of our families and Mm -hmm. kind of marking the history of them growing up today. My son just took his graduation pictures for university and I will not have those printed. They will not exist anywhere else except for on a hard drive, you know, somewhere.
0: If it's not on Facebook, it didn't happen. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so, uh, with, that, with that being the important part of, you know, kind of everything that we do our entire life, we really have funneled ourselves into this environment where now we can be restricted, we mm-hmm. can be cut off, we can be gated, we can be, uh, we, we've opened up ourselves to less information not more to being um, tracked and followed and more than that manipulated. I don't even think people realize how they can be manipulated. I mean if somebody if somebody learns your profile online and all of the different data points that you have, they can predict and in some ways manipulate how yes. you vote, how you shop, how you buy I mean we got statistics to show the impact that you can have mm-hmm. over somebody's life without them even knowing it.
0: Yeah, it's true, and we, in many ways, I think we've actually become the product. So what started out as these companies offering a product to meet a need that we didn't know we had, and now we're the product. Uh, with our data points, like you said, and then people, like what's the reason for putting things on social media, for example, like so that you'll get likes, so that you'll get interaction, because that makes us feel connected and we live in a world that's increasingly less connected. But that, that interaction on social media sort of checks the box for your brain and says that you've engaged with someone today. And we're all wired for connection. Uh, with, with business, that's like the personal side of it, but then on the business side of it, I was looking earlier because I was just thinking cloud computing has been around for so long and I couldn't remember when it actually started but it was introduced in the 90s as a concept and then it really took off in the early 2000s. But before that, it was almost cost prohibitive for a lot of companies to manage their infrastructure. They had to buy expensive equipment, maintain it. If it goes out, they have to buy it again. And I'm not talking about like a $300 computer from Best Buy, I'm talking about a $20,000 server. So that's a major capital expense and companies like Google, Amazon, Microsoft, they came in and they're like, oh, no, 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 we could do that for you. We could do that for you for the low, low price of X. And sometimes it's, I don't know, there's some that are as little as like $50 a month. And then of course you can spend more. And so for $600 a year, they'll shoulder the burden of $50,000 a year plus, And you've got expenses related to your staff like these are going to be highly paid employees who have expertise and then you've got um, we were looking at data centers today like just the infrastructure of that that's necessary to maintain everything in a safe environment is really expensive and the reason
1: why we were looking at it is because we have seen things let's just look in the last week we don't even have to we don't have to go back to last year we don't have to go back to two years ago just in the last week we -hmm. saw these protests that are taking place inside of canada doesn't matter whether you agree with the truckers or not that are parking their big rigs in ottawa does not matter one iota so if you're listening to this podcast and you're like i actually think what they're doing is dangerous for the country i actually think what they're doing is cutting off supplies and and making i mean there's protesting is one thing but they're actually taking a government hostage okay Forget about your own bias, forget about your own opinions on the matter. There are other people that completely support the truckers. The thing is, is that when the truckers began their protests, a lot of their activities online was being monitored, Mm -hmm. filtered, uh, censored. Then it started to be blocked. Then they tried to do fundraising using GoFundMe. GoFundMe is like one of the largest online crowdsourcing or mm-hmm. crowdfunding apparatuses out there. So if you're a church and you're wanting to raise money for a mission trip, if you are a Girl Scout and want to raise money for, you know, a friend's pet that died, a funeral, you know, you can do that on GoFundMe. Uh, you can do a lot of different things. And for GoFundMe, they they did a crowdfunding for the truckers in mm-hmm. Ottawa and they were able to over a very short amount of time raise over 10 million dollars wow. and GoFundMe shut them down mm-hmm. shut them down took the money now I'm sure that they gave it back to the I'm assuming I don't think they can just keep it but um, th- that really highlighted how they were vulnerable but to use the mechanisms that are available to people that may not go in line with mainstream media thought or government thought Mm -hmm. that's a real dangerous for christians or that's a real danger for christians because when the right now christians may not be in the target zone we may not be in the crosshairs but let's say that we do a march for life let's say that we do a march for uh traditional marriage traditional families um let's say that we uh want to preach a message on traditional life, traditional fa- families. We can easily find ourselves deplatformed as individuals. Okay, so I can't use Facebook anymore. I'm blocked by Facebook. Just this week, Miriam Ibrahim. Um, actually, let me read what she had written. I just, I've been in communication with Mir- Miriam Ibrahim. For those of you that are not familiar with Miriam, Miriam is um, from Sudan. She's a believer. She refused to deny the name of Christ under Sharia law. She was sentenced to 100 lashes and death by hanging, even though she was a a mother. And she was actually rescued by the the Pope and a team of legal people who went to, you like my legal term, legal people? Legal people. um, That went to Sudan and campaigned on her behalf. And were able to get her released from prison. Spoiler alert, by the way. Um, I should have said that before, that this would be a spoiler alert. But one of the things that we see is that um, uh, Miriam, who is a persecuted Christian, was, went and shared about the believers that were killed in Libya by ISIS seven years ago on the beach. Do you remember that? Where there was like mm-hmm. these guys in these jumpsuits yeah. that marched out to the beach and their heads were sliced off. She shared about that on the seven year anniversary and said, hey, um, this is, you know, something that we as believers need to remember. They took down her account on Facebook. They Now they blocked it like completely. Like it doesn't, no longer exist. Like it's gone. It was just a 30 minute, uh, a 30 day trial period. Mm-hmm. But now she talked with the, um, uh, she talked with the Facebook director of Faith-Based Partnerships. I'm actually reading this from the messages from directly from Miriam on my phone. Her name is Nina Jones. So Nina Jones, who's Facebook's director for Faith-Based Partnerships, basically told Miriam that she violated Facebook terms, and this is what they sent to her. They said, in an effort to prevent and disrupt real world harm, we do not allow organizations or individuals that proclaim a violent mission or are engaged in violence to have a presence on Facebook. They basically but that's associate not her, right? that's not her at all. She's a victim of it. Vi- she's a victim of violence against her. This is a mother. Mm-hmm. This is a Christian mother that was sentenced to death. Why? Because she robbed somebody? Because she killed somebody? Because she stole state secrets? No because she refused to say the shahada which is there's no god but allah and muhammad is His prophet and deny that christ was her savior that she's a christian she denied to give up her faith she denied to accept something that was not her faith and she was being sentenced to death because of it so she was kicked off social media now that's a personal thing she personally suffered and it's tough because she's actually being persecuted again by Facebook. Facebook is persecuting her again. But when we look at the bigger picture, not just individuals, the bigger picture, platforms that try to give people a free arena, a free town square to communicate in have been removed by their competition. Blocked by Google. Nobody cares until it it can't be on the App Store anymore. Blocked Mm -hmm. by Apple. Can't be on the App Store anymore. Uh, blocked by Facebook, blocked by um, sharing about on Facebook, blocked by YouTube. Um, then it started getting into the areas that you and I are more aware of. Block bank accounts, block transactions from Visa, MasterCard, American mm-hmm. Express, block, and this is where we get into the server block them from having a server. And for, the, for those people listening, thinking that, okay, well, they blocked, like for instance, Parlor. Which is a free speech platform like Ding Dash? We mm-hmm. have Ding Dash. Why does it matter whether you're? Maybe people don't understand what a server is. When they think of server, they think of a waitress at a at a <laughs> restaurant. Like, what is a server? Why is it important? How hard is it, if if you don't have a server, um, to get back up and running once you've been kicked off?
0: Yeah. So a server is. Think about if you have um, information in your house that you want everyone in the world to know about, um, but you don't want everyone in the world to be walking in and out of your house, you would display that information somewhere, maybe down by the road or something like that. Um, That's like a layman's example of a server. So a server is something outside of, in the case of cloud computing, outside of your home. That contains information <coughs> that you can then make available to other people. And so from a from a personal side, that could be things like family photos, family videos. Uh, it could be documents that like everyone in your family needs to reference. And you're keeping things on a server so that they're not just on a computer in your house, and so that you can also expose them to other people when you want to. And so without a server, for example, there's no sermon that's ever getting shared online. Without a server, there's no worship videos that are getting shared online. That's just the Christian side. Uh, What we were looking at today, without a server, there's no online banking transactions. You know, there are some banks that are exclusively online. Like, I I have a bank that they don't have any brick and mortar locations at all. Without any servers, then I immediately have no money and no recourse and i can i can't prove that i had money ever so the server is central to many things in the way, in our way of life today and i think most people don't even realize it because it has become so ubiquitous and it's just always there so yeah,
1: yeah I, most people I mean they use it but they just don't know what they're using they they rely on it they don't know how much they rely on it I mean mm-hmm. we have we as a society today in 2021 we're much different than we were in 2001 in 2001 most people got their news from TV yeah. newspapers in 2005 2006 2007 I'm still buying newspapers I'm still buying magazines I had my every time I went on a trip I took at least, you know, several newspapers together with me. Almost every plane I got on gave me Wall Street Journal, mm-hmm. um, the the uh, New York Times, like I, the South China Morning Post. Those were the big newspapers. I always had Time magazine. I had a subscription to Time magazine. I had a subscribe subscription to Newsweek. Those were my two main magazines. Um, I lived in that that stratosphere, and now those are lame. Why? because they had to be printed the night before and it's information that carries you throughout the entire day.
0: Mm -hmm. Today,
1: information changes by the minute. And so I'm watching the news. I no longer want the newspaper. I no longer want the magazine because they're dated. They are expired news. Whereas um, now all of my news comes from the internet. All of my communication comes from the internet. All of my banking is through the internet. All of my, I just, I just bought a building two days ago, and I did it That'd all online. So I mean, none of that happens without a server. All of these are in. Be- what what is a, a server? Is basically like a house, right? Like a like a like a place where all of your information is stored. And when people put in your web address, they're basically typing in like a phone number.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: is that is unique to you. So when somebody calls my phone from China, they have to put in the country code to China. Then they have to put in my phone number, yep. which comes directly to me, and that's kind of like back to jerusalem.com is my phone number, where people go to our server mm-hmm. that hosts all the stuff that you see on backtodjerusalem.com.
0: Yeah, 100% of what's on the internet is on a server somewhere, and like you said, a lot of times we don't realize it because you're typing in the www.whatever whatever, but each one of those user-friendly kind of names actually does resolve to a server it resolves to an ip address and those can be distinguished by country by in the u.s like you can get somebody's ip address and you know what city they live in Um, you can get more granular in a lot of ways but i'm just looking around the restaurant like everything in the restaurant right now is impacted by a server we've got our cell phones Uh, i have an iphone i know it's from the devil and when it backs up, it backs up to iCloud, which is on a server. And all of the restaurant software that they have on their computers is coming from a server. The financial transaction stuff goes through a server. The music that's playing in the background is coming from a music server. So, sincerely, it's everything. Um, everything in our modern world. And... When you, have, uh, when you have a product or you have something that's really important to you and you're using a server to deliver it, you've by default given power and authority to whoever owns that server. And so you might be more likely to take into account what they have to say or what they like or what they don't like because you don't want to lose access to the thing that matters to you. And that thing could be your business, it could be your personal information. Um, In the case of YouTube, there's so many... There's got to be billions of hours worth of sermons on YouTube that nobody has anywhere else. And so if YouTube comes to one of these churches and says, hey, we're going to take everything you've ever said and done offline, no one's going to ever be able to access it again unless you trash this one sermon, they might think about that pretty hard because the cost to maintain their own environment and by environment I mean their own like server environment is more than most churches are prepared to handle because then it requires having technical staff and the budget and all of that kind of thing
1: yeah and most people don't even realize how important this is this is a battlefield not of tomorrow this is of today we just don't know we're in this battle so Christians are being attacked right now slowly it's happening at such a slow rate and the convenience and the cost effectiveness of not paying any attention, yeah, is 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 pretty pretty rewarding for the moment.
0: Well, we've gotten into subscription mindset, where everything we do now is a subscription of some sort. Uh, we talked about earlier software that you used to buy and just keep on your computer until it broke, like ten years later, for a one-time cost. Now you're going to pay, even if it's five or ten dollars a month, but you're going to pay that forever. And so we're just lulled into that we we 99 cent a month to death and it doesn't even raise an eyebrow anymore
1: yeah because again it's automated it would raise an eyebrow if we had to sit down at the kitchen table every month and write a check yeah if we had to pull the money out of our wallet every month then we would see once you have everything digital and then you automate it then you don't even see this stuff anymore. And I think, in some ways, that might even be a little bit out of sight, out of mind. But here's the thing with the servers, is what you are saying, is that um, if you are teaching things that the world doesn't like, if you are using a, um, a Facebook live feed, for instance, and you've built up an audience over time, and that audience is used to seeing you. They're they're uh, excited about seeing you, hearing the message, and that you need to share that. They can cut you off for ever from ever sharing again. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what we are doing right now, I think, is something that is really needed, even if we don't recognize in the church that this is a need. We don't want to be scrambling at the end of the day trying to figure out how do we combat that after we've already been kicked off. I think when you've been kicked off, it's now too late. It's, It's not too late. It's just it's a bad time because you you disrupt the flow, especially if it's something important. You miss the ability to be to communicate in the time of need. Mm -hmm. when the need is there that's when they want you off if they can keep you off for as long as that need is there by the time you get back on that need may have passed and now everybody's suffering because their need wasn't met in that timely way so one of the things that we are doing right now is setting up a server that would be able to serve dingdash dingdash is our online social media platform where we believe in free speech we give open speech to everybody to come on and, and share about anything at any time. you know. Of course, free speech that doesn't involve taking away the freedom of others. Mm-hmm. That is what we don't. So we, we buy into, or I buy into, the, what we call the Singaporean concept of freedom, which is your freedom stops at my nose. I like that. And that means that if you have the freedom to do whatever you want, but the moment that your freedom imposes on someone else's freedom, then that's no longer freedom. And so we stop that. So, for instance, if you make threats, if you um, uh, share porn, um, if you do things that impose on the freedom of others, yeah. then we try to we stop that. Um, if you come on espousing a different idea, different views, no matter what those views are like, you can be pro-Nazi, you can be pro-slavery, um, you can be the most hideous things that I can think of right now, um, and we're we're still okay with you. And here's the thing. You can you can block people individually. Right. However, other platforms do not allow that. Other servers do not allow that activity. So we could be shut down by the current server that's hosting us at any time. We're vulnerable to that. The steps that you are taking right now are, are helping us to not be such a victim, to not be vulnerable to being taken down at any given moment by a big company like Amazon. Amazon is the one of the biggest servers out there right
0: yeah they've gotten really popular i mean and they're they're taking over in a lot of different industries i was i was looking because i was hoping to prove myself wrong but i was looking in the terms of service for google and also amazon just earlier today and google let me read it exactly so i don't misrepresent anybody but Uh, When you upload, submit, store, send or receive content to or through Google Drive, you give Google a worldwide license to use, host, store, reproduce, modify, create derivative works, um, all these things to your content. And so another, like a layman's way to say that, if you're putting your family photo album on Google Drive, Google now owns those photos and you've given them a license to reproduce them for anything they want. So they could take... Your gender reveal pictures, your baby pictures, your wedding pictures, whatever, and use it to create products, advertisements of theirs. Um, that's without even getting into like artificial intelligence and scanning pictures and stuff. Um, and then Amazon, which is the first one you asked me about, they say clearly in their terms of service that although no employee by default has access to all data at Amazon, there are times when their employees have to look into your data. So basically have to open up the library that you're storing there and read through it all. And they can see it. They can decide whether they approve of it or not. Um, They can go in under any pretext that they decide is okay. And like just like you explained with uh, Miriam earlier, it's all open to interpretation. It's open to interpretation from people who have lots of different worldviews, lots of different perspectives, and different and different uh, funding sources. So I look at it kind of. I look at what we're doing as equivalent to knowing that you're going to need to do maintenance on your car at some point. It's better to take the inconvenience on the front end like schedule the time to go take it in lose a couple hours out of your day and get to choose the timing then have the, ch- the timing be chosen for you when you're broken down in the middle of the road in the middle of the night and your cell phone battery is dead so that's how I see what we're doing there are you know lots of different options out there but I think this is a good one and I'm excited about it
1: yeah I am too because at the end of the day one of the things that we are seeing is that Google, Facebook, Amazon, Twitter, um, Apple, they are spending billions with a B
0: mm-hmm.
1: on um, campaigning in politics. They have their representatives in Washington, they have full time. Uh, uh, representatives that are helping to write legislation for them Mm -hmm. so they are intertwined with the government in so many ways and um, their agendas also are intertwined with the Chinese government which is a concern for me and when I see the direction that they have taken I'm also very aware that they've uh, involved themselves in a lot of other aspects so they monitor farming um, they monitor supply chains. They they monitor medicine. Um, they have all of these, all of the not just different data points, but they're they're purchasing land every day. When I say they, I'm talking about all these corporations that are yeah. purchasing land, big farmland uh, where, where the beef comes from, where the chicken comes from, where the where the fruits and vegetables come from. They're buying orchards. They're buying fields. They're buying ranches. Um, they are buying. Uh, water. They're, they're buying rivers and lakes and ponds. Um, these big corporations are buying businesses. I think just uh, Amazon alone is buying something like almost a business a day. Wow. Um, so they're buying up businesses. This The more that they buy, the more power that they get. And here's the thing. During COVID, many people were going out of business. Mm-hmm. Small businesses were going out. Mom and pop shops were going out of business. Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, all of these big corporations, what did they campaign for? Stay home, save lives. When people stayed home, how did they connect? By going online. Mm -hmm. Guess whose profit shares went up? Theirs. Guess whose understanding of what you do all day, every day went up? Theirs. Because now you're spending more of your time on... The line instead of at restaurants with your friends instead of at work with your colleagues instead of on the road driving back and forth to work You are now you weren't even in church now. They're able to see what you're doing in church Yeah, what you're what you're sharing. How does the whole services act or, or operate how do, how? What is the process of ceremonies the, all of these things we may think they don't mean anything baby reveal photos? Who, how do I don't care? I don't give a lick you know, um, if, they, if they have pictures of the food I ate last night, I don't care, not understanding that each one of these data points actually creates a digital us for these companies to understand. And the more they understand, the more they know not only what we choose and manipulate what we will choose, but also understand what we are willing to tolerate. Yeah. Because if we are willing to tolerate a certain amount of control and they understand that, mm-hmm. they're going to push their control to the limits. And that's what this is about in many ways. This is about us as Christians having freedom to be able to communicate, share the gospel, um, share the message without it being filtered, stopped, censored by big, tyrannical data companies.
0: Yeah, well, and I think that's really important what you just said, because it's not about trying to hide or obscure anything, it's about wanting to have control over your own data wanting to have control over the content that you have or the information that you have and who and you should be able to say who has access to it you should be able to say whether or not it's deleted whether or not it's reused and you know i'm sure somebody listening to this would say well you know if it's ever exposed to the internet then you know somebody can get it maybe Maybe they can, maybe they will, they probably will, that's fine, but no one will take away the source of it. Nobody will take away what we have. And you know, DingDash is an example of a concept that's really important. Now we've talked about lots of other things uh, for servers too, such as sermons and other types of media or data that people would want to not get kicked offline
1: yeah, for me, um, what I want to share with you guys, as our back to Jerusalem listeners, as people that have downloaded this podcast, we have a lot more to cover on this subject. I, I could jump. We're we're, in, we're knee deep in it right now. We're actually. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at uh, setting up our own server, having backups, um, connecting with rebellious groups that are a bit like mom and pop garage bands like us, um, <laughs> running servers kind of out of, their, out of their attics or basements or whatever. Um, one of the things that I want to share with you, if you and your church, if you and your business, if you and your ministry are looking at doing something like this, but you just can't make the investment, you, can't, you don't know where to start, you don't know where to go, We are going to create a site online. Um, I just thought of this. So I'm gonna, we're gonna create a site online that will lead you to Kate. (laughs) So that uh, we're going to basically help you find a server for your ministry, for your business, for your church, for your person. Um, We're going to uh, provide a service that you can actually pay for on a monthly, we're going to try to be competitive, if not beat the prices of the big conglomerates. Keep in mind, many of the conglomerates make business by losing money in this field. So beating them on price is something that is almost impossible and they want it that way Mm -hmm. so that they can rid competition. Let me tell you how the Chinese were able to take over the American steel industry for a long time. Um, What they basically did is they would take steel from their nation, it would be subsidized by the government and they would move it into a country and just flood it and make it super cheap. They would make it cheaper to buy Chinese steel in America than to purchase American steel. They did that on purpose for years at a time so that Um, the American steel companies could no longer compete with the Chinese prices and they would go out. When they went out of business, then the Chinese steel companies could rack up their prices. That's exactly what we're seeing right now. This is also, it it was uh, on behalf of China, this was also a military strategy that if you can become the only supplier of steel for America, guess what happens when America goes to war with China?
0: China stops providing
1: steel. To America. We have the same thing. What happens is Amazon is providing really cheap prices Mm -hmm. to put everybody out of business. They're flooding the market with really good services for really low prices. That's the market economy, right? Sounds good to me. I'm all about that. But once you eliminate the competition, then you have control. Then you set the rules. And if people don't like it, they're actually ostracized from commerce, communication, running their business, whatever. And so what we are doing right now is providing an early alternative before the gates close, Mm -hmm. before all hell breaks loose. So if you are wanting to do something like this, you can go on to and Depending on how early you find this podcast, it may not be up yet, but it will be up soon where we'll be able to provide these services. We'll already get the page up where you can start your communication with Kate on how you can join together with Back to Jerusalem Be on the same servers in the same kind of strategy, safety, uh, uh, kind of redundancy as Back to Jerusalem. Kate, thanks so much for joining us, sharing yeah, with absolutely. us. Thanks for being with me here in Romania um, to do this to It's do a this great
0: opportunity. I'm having a great time. Good. Thanks for inviting me. And
1: I want to thank you for downloading this Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Romania. God bless you.